Welcome to Bakersfield First Assembly of God's podcast. Pastor James is fired up and ready to preach. I hope you enjoy this sermon. expect many times and so let's just make sure our hearts are ready to receive something from God that you will leave this place and you know the Lord has spoken to you in a certain way. I'm always amazed how people say pastor your message spoke to me in this area and then someone will say something totally different but that's how the Holy Spirit moves. He's aware of your circumstances. He knows right where you're at right now and he can speak a word prophetically through the, through the preaching of the word through the worship to meet you right where you're at. So let's go to the Lord this morning. God, we thank you for Nancy. What a blessing she has been for so many years, God. And Lord, I just pray that as she's facing the heavenly healing, God, that you would just give her strength and grace, Lord, and peace. And Lord, that your will would be done, God. We thank you that you heal medically, miraculously, and heavenly. And so, Lord, we just ask that, Lord, that your will would be done. And God, we We pray for those who have been battling sickness, Lord. I just thank you that we're coming through that, and I pray that they would be returned to full health. And God, I pray over the word this morning before we break the bread of life, Lord, I pray we'd be hungry. God, we desire to hear from you today because you will witness, you will whisper to us, Holy Spirit, to our hearts to give us something that we can hold on to for this week and for our lives, for our families, Lord, for our nation. And so, God, let us have an expectancy today. The Spirit of God is in this place. The Spirit of God is here to meet every need. In Jesus' name, amen. So Peter and John performed a miracle at the temple. Shouldn't be doing that at church. Don't be doing spiritual stuff at church. And as a result, the temple leaders arrested them. Instead of saying, well, this is awesome. There's a healing in the temple. They they were envious. And so instead, they arrested them. Not everybody likes when God moves. And so they, they arrested him, threw him in jail, and then tried them and said, don't preach in the name of Jesus anymore. And so they called a prayer meeting, and this is what they prayed, Acts 4.29. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform miraculous signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus And after they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. So our theme for 2023 is stretch out your hand to heal. We are believing God is going to bring healing to his people, and also that God will bring healing through us, laying our hands on people as well. Now there's a key word mentioned twice in this passage that has the same root word, and those words are boldless. And boldness and boldly. So one is a noun and one is an adverb, but they're the same root word. And before we stretch out our hand to heal, we need boldness. In fact, you've got to have boldness just to pray for somebody. If you're going to stretch out your hand to pray for somebody, you better be bold. And before we can see those signs and wonders, we need to pray for boldness. The Life Application New Testament says this. The apostles prayed not for divine vengeance but that God would hear the threats and that had been leveled against them. The believers did not pray that God would remove the threats, take away the possibility of persecution, or even protect them. Isn't that interesting? 
They didn't say, God, rescue us out of this problem. Instead, they prayed that God would give the believers, his servants, great boldness in their preaching. Instead of saying, God, protect us. We want to hide in our little cocoon. They said, no, God, we want to do more. Give us boldness. Now, let's define, I want to, first of all, define what is boldness and how you get it. It is not brashness or obnoxiousness. Don't confuse boldness for being rude. Okay, that is, being a jerk is not a gift of the Spirit. I'm here to tell you right now, jerkitude. (laughs) Boldness is not something you stir up in yourself on your own. It is stirred up in your heart by the Holy Spirit. Now, there are things we can do to allow the Holy Spirit access to our hearts and stir up the boldness. But it doesn't come from us, it comes from God. And biblical boldness has little to do with personality. You don't have to be a loudmouth like me. Jolene tells me, man, your voice carries. And it's just because I'm deaf, i got to be able to hear my own words. But you don't have to be, you know, an, an extrovert to have boldness. You can be an introvert and have the boldness of the Holy Spirit in your heart and soul. And so it's not about personality. It's not just those loud people that can be bold. But we will study where and how we gain boldness next time. For now, let's define boldness. Why do, why do we want this? What is the purpose of boldness? How does it benefit us? Well, according to the Abbott Smith lexicon, boldness is paresia, means freedom of speech, plainness, openness, freedom in speaking, the absence of fear which accompanies freedom of speech. Wow, that's powerful. So if anything you, you get away with today... Boldness means the freedom of speech and the freedom from the fear that comes when we want to speak freely. Now let's study other verses in the Bible with the same root word. Remember when we do a word study, we define the word, but we also look for other scriptures that have that same word. It bolsters and and exemplifies and expands on the definition. And So first of all, boldness is found in Acts 9.27. I'm reading from the New Living Translation. Then Barnabas brought him to the apostles and told them how Saul, who later became Paul, had seen the Lord on the way to Damascus and how the Lord had spoken to Saul. He also told them that Saul had preached boldly in the name of Jesus in Damascus. So Saul stayed with the apostles and went all around Jerusalem with them, preaching boldly in the name of the Lord. The first point I want to make today regards, number one, boldness in preaching. In this passage I just read, Saul had become a Christian. Now this was big news, because before this, Saul killed Christians. He arrested them. He was on a mission to destroy this new sect called Christianity. And yet, even though he had planned, God had other plans. And God met him on the road, blinded him, and said, you're going to go a different way, Saul, and your name's going to be Paul. And so he he was trying to do what he thought was God's will and ran right into Jesus Christ. And as a result, the Christian leaders were a little skeptical when this guy says, guess what, I got saved. (laughs) Paul called himself the chief of all sinners. You think of those people that you never dreamed could be saved. Paul was beyond that. And he, they were like, yeah, sure, this guy, it's a, it's a ruse. It's a ploy to kill more Christians. And so they were skeptical at first. However, what finally convinced them that Paul's transformation was genuine is because he preached with what? Boldness. 
This boldness comes from the Holy Spirit. And so they were, they were concerned that was this real, did it really happen? I want you to know when somebody gets bold in the Holy Spirit, you'll know they are filled with the Spirit of God. That's a good indicator, is someone from the Lord or not? Look for a boldness for Jesus. They were finally convinced that his transformation was genuine. You see, we need to communicate the gospel with boldness. Now you say, well, I'm not a preacher. Listen, we're all called to preach. We're all called to teach. We're all called to communicate. You may not stand up in this pulpit and flare your arms like crazy like I do, but we're all called to bring the gospel to our world, to our circle of friends and family. And so we need this boldness because it's the boldness that amplifies our message. God's word is so powerful that we should preach it with passion. I mean, you know, when we, when we preach the word, there's got to be a fire in our soul. There's got to be a boldness in our heart. It should stir us up. It should get us going. Because God's word is so mighty. And Jeremiah experienced this. When God called him to be a prophet, God also said that I'll put my words in your mouth and you will preach it and they won't listen. Boy, that's just a great call of God, isn't it? He's, first of all, he's called the weeping prophet because he's, he was never married. He should have been the rejoice. No, I'm, anyway, um, I didn't say nothing. Nothing. But he was the weeping prophet. And when God called him, he said, you're going to speak my word and they're not going to like it. They're going to make fun of you. They're going to mock you. They're going to come against you. Well, how's that for a job description? I mean, how do you look forward to that? And so God had called him, and God said, you're going to speak, and they're not going to hear you. Now, this frustrated Jeremiah. He did not stop preaching because of, the, of one thing. He had a fire in his bones. Look at Jeremiah 20, verse 8. Whenever I speak, I cry out, proclaiming violence and destruction. So the word of the Lord has brought me insult and reproach all day long. But if I say I will not mention him or speak anymore in his name, his word is in my heart like a fire. A fire shut up in my bones. I am weary of holding it in. Indeed, I cannot. Do you hear this guy? He's like, I don't want to preach no more. They don't like it. They don't like me. And yet he goes, but I can't help it. Because there's a fire in my soul that's burning in me. i got to let this, the word of the Lord becomes a fire in our bones. And if you allow the Holy Spirit to fill you with his fire, it will flow from you freely and without fear. You know, it was said that John Wesley was asked why so many people would come to hear him speak. His supposed reply was, get on fire for God and people will come to watch you burn. Now, it is questionable if Wesley actually said this. But no matter who said it, it's a good quote. Get on fire for God and people will come to watch you burn. Here's another product of boldness found in Acts 14.3. New Living Translation. But the apostles stayed there a long time preaching boldly about the grace of the Lord. And the Lord proved their message was true by giving them power to do miraculous signs and wonders. My second point is this. Boldness and power. Paul and Barnabas were visiting the region of Iconium. And because they preached with such boldness, many Jews and Gentiles were saved. And many miracles, signs, and wonders took place. Biblical boldness brings power. That's how you know if it's it's boldness from the Holy Spirit. There'll be power. 
And because they preached with such power and wonders, people got saved. That's another evidence of biblical boldness. People get saved. And if we want to see God stretch out his hand to heal, we must become bold because our boldness brings God's power. Another instance where the Greek word for boldness is used is in Acts 18.24 in the New Living Translation. Meanwhile, a Jew named Apollos, an eloquent speaker who knew the scriptures well, had arrived in Ephesus from Alexandria in Egypt. He had been taught the way of the Lord and he taught others about Jesus with an enthusiastic spirit and with accuracy. However, he knew only John's baptism. And when Priscilla and Aquila heard him preaching boldly in the synagogue, they took him aside and explained the way of God more accurately. I need to take a pause. I think the Holy Spirit is speaking to me. I want to apologize about that marriage joke, especially to my wife, because she's the greatest thing in my life. And I would want to, never want to do anything to hurt her. So I just feel from the Holy Spirit I needed to do that. Honey, I'm sorry. Uh, and any other woman I offended, I'm sorry. Because my marriage to her has been the best thing that happened in my life except for Jesus Christ. So anyway, I just felt I needed to say that. We need boldness. But we really need, number three, boldness with accuracy. What set Apollos apart was his boldness. His boldness brought attention to his message. Priscilla and Aquila, now it's interesting, these are always mentioned through the Bible, Priscilla is first mentioned. And usually when a couple like that is mentioned first, we go to the first person is the one that had probably the most prominence, and Priscilla was probably a pastor. And her husband supported her in that ministry. And so they were leaders of the church in Ephesus. And they recognized there's this new guy in town named Apollos, and he had an enthusiastic spirit or a zealous or fiery spirit with, he had some accuracy. What he was, they didn't know this guy, but they listened to his message and they noted that he, he had some accuracy to his message. But it's not enough to preach with an enthusiastic spirit. We also need to preach and teach with theological and biblical accuracy, amen? We gotta listen to the message. And the Bible says the prophets are to judge the prophecies. And so just because somebody's on fire and all fired up doesn't mean he's from the Lord. Listen to the message. And God told the Israelites, I'm going to send false prophets to you. And they're going to prophesy truth and it's going to come true. But they're going to try to get you to worship idols. And so you always have to pay attention to the message. Not just the charisma, not just the, the outward experience. We need to know the heart. And so Apollos had heard about Jesus, but he only knew about John's baptism, but not the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Therefore, he was missing a key truth in his preaching. So Priscilla and Aquila took him aside and improved his accuracy. I love this. Now, years ago, I was visiting my sister's family in Alaska. This is before her first husband passed away, and his name was Kim, and as we often did when we'd go to visit, we'd go shooting because he was an experienced, avid hunter. And so I was out there shooting, and we had rifles and with scopes and all these things. And I lined up the target in the scope, and I pulled the trigger. The gun kicked back, and the scope impacted my right eye. 
Gave me a bleeding perfect circle right, right here. And, where, and then it scabbed over. And so wherever I went in Alaska, they're like, rookie. <laughs> Look at the guy with the circle around his eye. Yeah, you know, he doesn't know a thing about shooting. I, how many know I needed more instruction? Don't put your eyeball right on the scope when you fire the gun. It's going to pop your eyeball out. And I needed to improve my accuracy as well to properly shoot a rifle. Apollos was a rookie, and he needed more instruction. On a side note, Apollos was also teachable. He was willing to be taught by those who were more learned and experienced than he. We need an enthusiastic spirit, but we also need to be teachable if we're going to have true boldness. You see, it's not just the fire. That's good. It's good to have the fire. But you have to be teachable. And it's always good to check ourselves theologically. And, you know, even though I've been pastoring for 38 years, I'm, I'm open. If there's a difference and maybe I made a mistake and, you know, if somebody reaches out to me with the right spirit, of course, and not the anonymous I hate you note. <laughs> but... I, I need to remain teachable. It doesn't matter how old I get. It doesn't matter how old you are in the Lord. How many know we all need to be teachable? Because we need to improve our accuracy. We need to make sure our, our, we have sound doctrine, Paul said. Now, when I was in my first year of Bible school, you know, that's what happens. You go to one year of Bible school, and then you're dangerous. Because you think, oh, I'm a mighty man of God. I know things now. And so I was, went home to Round Mountain, Nevada, was where I lived when my senior year. I lived in Round Mountain. It's no longer there. It's gone. The mountain was actually round, but it had gold in it, so they, they killed the mountain. It's gone. Yes, now, and they had to change the name of the town because there's no Round Mountain anymore, so now it's Hadleyville. But anyway, you care nothing about any of that. But I was home to Round Mountain, Nevada on, on my summer break from Bible school, and the pastor asked me to preach my first real sermon. Now, I had preached a sermon when I was in high school, told everybody everything I knew in five minutes, and it was over. And I was so scared, I, I left my contact lenses out so I couldn't see any faces out there. Just, I was preaching to fuzziness. But that wasn't a real sermon, because I hadn't been to Bible school yet. Now it's a, I've been to Bible school. And so I was ready, I studied, I prepped, and I preached with as much enthusiasm and zeal. You know, if you've got no con content, just be loud. People think you know things if you're loud. And so after the message, I asked my mom how I did. Because she was an, an incredible Bible teacher. And she said it was good, but there was just one thing wrong. I preached about the wrong Mary through the whole sermon. <laughs> I mean, give me a break. There's like 19 Marys in the Bible. How am I supposed to know that they're different? And she said it kindly. She just, you know, just took me aside. And I mean, I was so embarrassed, so humiliated. I said I would never preach again. And yet 38 years later, here I is. I had to humble myself and become teachable. And I still do. I still have to humble myself because humility will balance the boldness. Teachableness will balance 
the fire. We need the boldness. We need the fire, but we also need balance. Another scripture where the Greek word for boldness is used is in 2 Corinthians 3.12. Therefore, since we have such a hope, we are very bold. We need, number four, boldness and hope. It is our hope that keeps us going until Jesus comes again. But if you want more boldness in your life, hold on to the hope that God has given us. Hope will increase your boldness. And you have boldness because you know where you're going. You have eternal life with Jesus Christ. You know there's a place for you in heaven. There's a mansion he's building for each of you. And so when we know, when we have that hope in God, then it causes us to get bold, to, to speak freely, and to speak plainly and honestly and clearly and in love to people. But the hope is key if you want more boldness. Look at Titus 2.11. For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions. And to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. While we wait for the blessed hope. The glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Hope keeps us going until he comes. And we need to be bold in that hope. Look at 1 Peter 3.15. But in your hearts, set apart Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. And so when somebody asks you, why are you, why are you so hopeful? Why do you have such a, a, a love for people? Why, why, how can you be that way? Be ready. Be locked and loaded, ready to give your testimony at any time. Because people ask you, why... What's, what is it about you that has so much hope? And then when they do, when they ask about your hope, get ready to tell them. But do it with boldness, but with gentleness and respect. Don't beat them over the head with a 90-pound Bible. Don't get in their face. Remember, boldness is not rudeness, obnoxiousness. Boldness is speaking freely and truthfully. Would you bow your heads with me today? This message went a direction I didn't expect, but that's the Holy Spirit's prerogative. If you're here today and you have never accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, you don't have hope. You don't have hope of eternal life. And I'm not trying to be harsh, I'm trying to be sincere, I'm trying to be bold and tell you plainly and freely that you can have eternal life. You can have a hope that no matter what's going on in your life, in your marriage, in your job, in your circumstances, no matter what hits you in this world, you can always have the hope that this isn't the end. There's an eternal life to come. There's a heaven promised for you. But you have to put your faith in Jesus Christ. you got to put your hope in God. And so with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're ready to put your hope in God, Maybe you did at one point, but you walked away, but you know today I'm going to put my hope back in God, not in myself. If you want to become a Christian, you want to return to the Lord, would you just raise your hand this morning? I want to just acknowledge you. Yes, 
in the balcony. There's hands all over. And you can put those hands right back down. Thank you for your boldness. That was the first step of boldness. First step of faith, you raised your hand. And now I want to lead you in a prayer that'll make you feel in your heart sure that you have eternal life. So if you raised your hand and you're ready to have some hope, hope poured into your heart, then please repeat these words after me. And those of you who are already Christians, would you join with them so they're not alone? Dear Jesus, I believe. I believe you are the Son of God. I repent of my sins. Come into my heart and life and make me a new person. And thank you for the hope of eternal life. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer, you need to tell somebody. The Bible says we need to confess it with our mouths. So maybe it's a friend that brought you, a neighbor or Somebody, a grandma that's been praying for for year, years, get on the phone this afternoon, call them saying, guess what? I gave my life to Jesus Christ. I've come back to the Lord. Or you can fill out the card in front of you and drop it in those offering boxes so we can follow up with you as well in your new life, your new journey. In a few moments, I'm going to dismiss, but I just want to give you a few quick announcements. First of all, if you're a visitor today, thank you for coming. Or maybe you visited a few times and wonder, how, how, how do I connect? After the service right here in our Blue Chapel, we have some fellowship. We have some food. We even have food, so come for the food at least. But uh, if you're a visitor or you have been coming and would like to get more involved, just join us after the service. There'll be pastors there to greet you and people to welcome you. Also, I just want to invite the elders to come at this time and the board members to come as well. They'll be at the front if you need prayer. Maybe you need boldness in your speaking or boldness to see God's power. Or maybe you need boldness so you can be teachable. Or maybe you need boldness for hope today. Or if you have a physical need, any kind of healing, body, soul, or spirit, these folks are here to pray with you. And always the altars are open. You're free to pray as well. I would just ask we keep our conversation to the foyer because people are going to stay here and worship. Would you stand with me? I want to bless you. I don't take these words lightly every Sunday. I really believe there's power behind them. And I believe we're going to get to heaven and see how many times God blessed you because you received the blessing of the Lord. And so I say to you, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give me, give you peace. You've been listening to Bakersfield First Assembly's weekly broadcast. BFA is located on the corner of California and Marilla Way. We meet every Sunday morning at 1030 a.m. in person and online on Facebook and YouTube. For more information, Check out our website, bakersfieldfirst.com, or download our app from the App Store.